Welcome to the Vitality Health Show, where we inform you about the latest advancements in alternative health care and the best health and wellness solutions to benefit your body, mind, and spirit. Now, here's your host, Stephanie Parrish. Good morning, friends, and welcome to the Vitality Health Show. I am your host, Stephanie Parrish, along with my host, not Doug Crockett. He's not here today. He is still tied up with some other things, so I have got really cute husband here that has stepped in for me. This is my husband, John. He is being my co-host today. Some of you may remember him from last week. We're so happy that you're on here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Anytime. We are the voice of hope, healing, and miracles. First, we want to thank our sponsors, The Mindful Lab with Christine Erickson, where you can find clarity, connection, and peace. We love Christine. She is absolutely amazing. She works very, very well with youth, especially the young women. So reach out to her if you can. Also, we want to welcome Sunshine Family Hemp and thank them for their sponsorship. They have got beautiful, wonderful products that we love so much. We use them a lot. So we, you can find them at sunshinefamilyhemp.com. Also, we want to, to invite you to go to Abundance by Ellie. And these are Young Living Oils by Ellie, and she would love to help you. We love, love, love our oils. We use our oils all the time for everything. So find her at AbundanceByEllie at gmail.com. There is an oil for that. Also, we invite you to check out Doug Crockett's channel on his YouTube channel, which is Miracles When Heaven Touches Earth. He's got absolutely amazing shows on there. We hope that you can listen to them and be inspired. They're very short and they're just people's miracles that happen in their lives with everything. So we, with that being said, we would really love to have you um, share this with everybody. Make sure you know, let people know that we're here. And if you have any questions or comments, please send them to me at contact at my vitality health solutions with an s solutions.com again contact at my vitality health solutions.com we love to hear from you we love to hear your comments and we also invite you to come back onto the show next week we're going to have a very special show we're not going to tell you all about it yet but you're going to want to be here to see and listen to what happens next week so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and get on with our show. And we are so grateful. We have got somebody that's very near and dear to me on the show with us. We've been working for a while to get him on the show. And we finally got, he's a very, very busy young man. So we have got Luke Dunn on here. His mom and I are first cousins and been besties for a long, long time. And I'm so grateful that Luke has come on. He's got quite the story to tell. So I don't want to take too much of his time because I know that he has got really amazing, amazing story. And if you guys want to reach out to him, you can reach out to him through my email, which is contact at myvitalityhealthsolutions.com, or you can find him on Facebook. And as we get going, we'll go through that and you can find him there. So welcome, Luke. We're so happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. I enjoy, you, and enjoy being here and, and love um, visiting with you, Stephanie. It's great. Absolutely. We are so happy to have you here. So Luke's story goes back a little ways. So we're going to have you start, um, where we discussed a little bit about his story is just amazing. So you're going to want to take notes. You're going to want to just listen. You probably will cry. And I, I've got my tissues right here because I know I probably will. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Luke. Let's start at your beginning of your story. Well, not the very beginning, because that would be when you were born, but you know. <laughs> sure, of course. And so, yeah, I guess uh, 
starting back kind of, um, I guess, all the way back. So I, I graduated from high school in uh, 2015 from East High School in Salt Lake. And and there I, I don't know, there's there a lot of people asking me um, kind of leading up to that point, point like, are you going to go serve a, an LDS mission and are you going to go serve the Lord and stuff? And, and up to that point, I would just be like, yeah, totally. And just kind of, just to kind of get them off my shoulder or kind of get off the topic and they're like, Oh, good. And then that was it. Right. <laughs> so after graduating at, at this time as well, this was a uh, two years, I believe after the age change had happened um, for the, the missionaries to be able to go out. So I could have left. So right you could go at 18 then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, as, as many of my friends were doing, were leaving right after high school. And so there's a, there's a lot to decide. And, and so um, a, a couple of things, I guess, that helped me decide to do that was there was a church camp, a week-long church camp that I attended. And at the end of it, there was a testimony meeting where I was very touched by the Spirit through some of the testimonies that were given there that kind of helped me decide. And, and previously, there was a, a conference that was held um, by our church who... Um, where one of the speakers gave a, a talk or a sermon, I guess, about some topics of how we are all enlisted to to serve the Lord, right? And so the, those two things kind of combined really helped me decide to to serve and, and request to, to be instated as a missionary. And so I, uh, about a year later, I was called and I received my mission call to the Sierra Leone Freetown um, which is in West Africa mission to speak English. Um, and I was called in April, March sometime of 2016. And it was like, you'll be leaving in August. And so I was really excited. And, and so there's lots to prepare for. And, and so there was the visas and the immunizations and, they're like, don't pack a suit, just pack short sleeve shirts. And <laughs> so, Luke, let me ask you real quick because this is always a question I love to ask missionaries. What did you think? What was the first thing that went through your mind when you read Sierra Leone? Well, yeah, I mean, first thing, I, I think I said it wrong when I read it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was like, yeah, readily. And I don't even remember what I said. Yeah, that whatever was, it was, it didn't sound right. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know where that was. And it's funny because everyone in the room, as I was reading this call, um, like nobody really like applauded or knew where that and, was. <laughs> and nobody was like, oh, yeah, that's in West Africa, right? And so it's just a small little country off the Ivory Coast in West Africa. It's a couple countries away from Ghana, if you know where that is. And, I've got some good friends serving in Sierra Leone right now. Awesome. So that's so cool. Well, yeah, anyway, so with that, I, I, I prepared and got ready. I, I packed eight pounds of peanut butter in my suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was worried that I wasn't going to have peanut butter again. And, and then another <laughs> joke I kind of tell is that I was, I was just worried I was going to become lactose intolerant because I was drinking a gallon of milk a day leading up to my departure <laughs> for my mission. And so I, I was worried that I was going to get peanut butter or my milk. And so <laughs> storing it up, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, but leading up to this experience as well, I is interesting because I, 
I had the feeling that something really bad was going to happen really? when I went to serve. And I felt like a, for a lot of things I did, it felt like it was the last time I was doing them. Um, and it was also interesting because I, for whatever reason, I decided to get in some of the best physical shape of my life at that time to pass the time, I guess, as I waited to, to go serve, keep me away from girls and, and things I shouldn't be doing. And so, um, did you, did you, um, share that with anyone, Luke, that you had those feelings, those promptings? Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's a couple of people I could, I could talk to one of them being my best friend who we talked about it kind of often. And I would look at him and be like, I feel like this is the last time I'm doing. And then whatever we were doing at the time. Wow. And, and so it was, it was really kind of interesting leading up to that point. But so the August 2nd came and I got on a, well, I, it's just like the movies where you go to the airport and you say goodbye to everybody because the, the MTC, the Missionary Training Center I, I went to was in Ghana. Okay. Yeah. And so I got on a plane and took a plane to another plane to another plane and <laughs> and, and ended up in uh, in uh, Ghana, um, August fourth, I believe. Wow! Yeah, and so a lot of a lot of a lot of flying. Yeah, you know. yeah. And so I was there for two weeks, and then learning just how to be a missionary and interact with, I guess, locals and and all those things. And and that's a fun experience too. There at the MTC, um, where there was ninety four of us in the whole MTC. Wow. <laughs> Instead of 94 in a class, 94 in the whole MTC, right? Yeah. And so I was, and, and it's bigger now. They've upgraded the MTC, but, but from going from my peanut butter and on all my milk, they, they only <laughs> fed us one meal, every meal. And so like, once you ate your meal, that was it. You didn't get seconds. And I was just always felt hungry. <laughs> wow. How long did that a peanut butter last? Um, well, so I think I went through four pounds in two weeks. <laughs> so I was it's like, you're in the MTC, you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I mean, one of the reasons I brought it is because they told us, uh, the missionary center told us like, they're like, mail is very expensive to send. Peanut butter is very expensive to buy there. And they're like, if someone sends you mail, there's a chance you might not even get it. Right. And so that's one of the reasons why I brought so much with me is because I was, I was gearing up, but. Yeah. but Who so knew that it would be life-saving for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, so with that, I, I was excited. I was ready to be there I was meeting lots of, well, not lots, but I, I made some good friends there at the MTC. And um, there was, I believe, 17 missionaries from the United States out of the 90 Wow. Four or so. And so it was, yeah, it was a really cool experience just getting to know other people. And there was missionaries there learning English because they only spoke French. And so it was fun because they were told to talk to us American elders to better their English. Right. Wow. Interesting. How long at the training center before you headed out? Yeah. So I was there two weeks because it was English speaking. And so after those two weeks, I, we got on a, another plane and started flying to 
um, Sierra Leone. And so, I mean, it, it wasn't a, a very long flight. And once we got there, I just remember stepping off the plane. And, and so, I mean, they don't have a fancy airport there. <laughs> and so they just had stairs coming down onto the tarmac. <laughs> and so, wow. so I remember there was, I believe there was 20, there's 21 or 22 missionaries who were going to Sierra Leone. We were the first fresh missionaries to the country since the Ebola outbreak. Wow. So, uh, a few months prior to me getting there, they had started pulling missionaries from other countries close by just to fill the country with missionaries again since that outbreak. Wow. And so. That's amazing that they had pulled all those missionaries out just before that break happened. So that's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Which was, I, I heard those, that was miracles in itself. Just getting Absolutely miracles. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So once, once I got there, I remember it was, I felt it was, I mean, I was obviously a foreign country, but it just didn't feel real, I guess, because yeah. we we're walking on the tarmac where we got to a butt or a van that took us to the, the ocean where we took a speedboat across the bay where then we got on a bus which then bused <laughs> us to the mission home and so you're getting all sorts of transportation right yeah it's it all the all the transportations um, so i need to ask you really quickly when you got off that plane in sierra leone did you feel that same feelings that you were having that that this is going to be the last time you'd done this stuff or did you have any kind of foreboding feeling? Yeah. Foreboding feeling. That's a good word. Um, when you got off or were we just all super excited? I think my excitement kind of outweighed any of those feelings. And so it wasn't really in the front of my mind. I mean, it, it might've kind of been in the back of my mind, mm -hmm. but in my, my thought process, I was there to serve the Lord and I was ready and, excited to help the people I was around and okay. and that was kind of kind of the thought process at that time and so okay. but once we got to the mission home we spent the night the next morning we drove to I, I believe it's called Lester's Peak it's a a mountain that kind of overlooks Sierra Leone Freetown the the main capital there mm -hmm. um, except for it's cloudy and so we didn't really see much, but of course, mm -hmm. yeah. But with that, we had a devotional, and then we all started our separate, um, I guess, departures to our areas. Um, okay. And there was guess, how many of you there at that time? So I I don't recall how many missionaries were in the mission, but there was twenty one, twenty two, roughly of us. Twenty one or twenty two of us that just um, got there and received okay. calls the night before of which town we're going to. And actually we got to call our parents once we got to the mission home the night before and just tell them, Hey, like we made it, like, this is where we're going. Um, except for neither of my parents answered. <laughs> and so I left a oh. message. <laughs> oh my God. I remember that. I remember saying they didn't answer weren't they at a meeting or something like that or <laughs> i don't something. recall i just i just was on the tail end where i called and nope no one picked up so i called this other number no one picked up and 
I don't recall if we had a landline, but I might have called that if it was running and that didn't yeah. pick up. And it was like, well, oh, I guess I'll man, call that must have been kind of heart wrenching, was it? Yeah, well, I mean, it it's just kind of like a sad moment, I guess, because it's like yeah. they knew, well, in my mind, I, I kind of assumed, I guess, they would know that I'd be calling sometime around um, then to right. let them know. But I mean, it's in the past, I guess, but with that, yeah. we, the next morning we started driving off to our areas and my first um, area I would be serving the people in was known as a little town called Bo. Oh. Yeah, B-O, that's, that's it. <laughs> and so, okay. <laughs> and that drive was roughly three hours from the mission home. And so I was with three other missionaries Excuse me. I was with three other missionaries and a bishop from one of the local congregations there in Freetown who volunteered that day to help drive all the missionaries because there was so many of us with the 21 or 22 of us. Right. <laughs> That's so, a lot. So, yeah. And so they, they were driving and, and from kind of what I've been told. And, and so with this accident, a lot of it has been taken from a two accounts mostly of missionaries that I knew in the MTC that I asked to kind of reflect on the day and the events and write them down so that I could be aware of kind of what happened. Right. Cause you don't remember, you don't recall the actual yeah. accident. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so um, I guess with the accident, I was, I was in a coma for three weeks. And so for me, it feels like I fell asleep. How far into the drive uh, did the accident happen? Yeah, so I mean, from from my understanding, we were pretty close. We were probably half an hour away from the actual uh, town of Bo. How long had you been driving? Though wasn't it quite a ways? Yes. Yeah, well, from from my understanding, like I said, I, it was probably roughly two and a half hours of driving. Okay, that's mm -hmm. what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. Um, but so with that, I um, yeah. So to me, it felt like I fell asleep somewhere on that drive and then woke up three weeks later. That's kind of what it feels like for me. Um, but so with that, I, we were driving and um, again, from kind of the stories that I've heard, there was a taxi driver who was trying to pass a semi-truck on a blind curve. And he came out from behind the, uh, the semi-truck on this two lane highway and struck our vehicle head on where he was killed on impact. And then everyone in my vehicle was hospitalized due to that choice that that, that taxi driver made. So you have four missionaries in the car with you, is that right? And, yeah, well, so yeah. me included. Right, right. right. And then a bishop driving from the local. Oh, and the bishop was in there as well. Yeah, and he was driving. Correct. Okay. And I only know him as Bishop Marcus. I never heard his first name. <laughs> so. Okay, so it's five of you in that car. Okay, and that this drunk driver, he was drunk driver, right? We also, we, we don't know. I mean, there's no police to do oh, okay. investigation or anything. So, I mean, potentially some narcotics or paraphernalia or whatever with, um, was a part of it, but we, we just don't know. Right, okay. Um, yeah, the policing system's not the same as ours here. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> But so with that, um, 
I guess the, the injuries that happened from that collision was the, the bishop, he received um, two compound fractures, one in each wrist from gripping the steering wheel. And then the elder who was sitting in front of me in the passenger seat, he ruptured his spleen and he had O negative blood. And from my understanding, it was a miracle that they found enough blood to do the surgery for him. And one of the miracles that happened there is that they, um, that some guy, well, they only had one or two pints and they needed four pints of blood, I believe. And there's some guy that just walked in that day and was like, Hey, I want to donate blood. And he had O negative blood and it was enough to do the surgery. And okay, that just gave me goosebumps all over because the, the miracles are just God's God's good. He knows he just places people where they're supposed to be. Right. And how amazing that he would walk in right then. Yeah. Um, and so it makes it blood. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. The most rare blood type just right. so happens to be him. Right. Um, and so they, they did that surgery and, and he was admitted in the hospital there and he was a local African, um, cause there's only one other American elder there in the car with me and he's from Utah as well. As well. Wow. But so well, what he, did you uh, find yeah. when you woke up? It was three right, weeks later. Until the accident first. We'll, we'll come back to what you found out when you woke up. Sorry. We want to do that after the break. Okay. We want to finish talking about the accident. Okay? Yeah. But okay. so with that. They, um, yeah, he had ruptured his spleen. And so actually um, last year I had heard that he's actually passed due to complications um, from that surgery. And so he's no really? longer. But, wow. um, and then the elder to the left of me, he was concussed and he was another Native American, or no, excuse me, another African Native to Africa. Um, and he was concussed pretty badly. And then the elder behind me, he was the other one from Utah and he rubbed, had a fracture, clean fracture of his tibia and fibula on his right leg. So he has a rod through his leg now wow. to hold that together. And then for myself, I sustained a, a TBI stands for traumatic brain injury on the front right part of my skull where it was collapsed. And then fractures all along my forehead, fractures along my right eye socket. And then I broke eight bones in my left foot, including dislocating two, and then ruptured my Achilles heel, a spiral rupture in that heel as well. Um, and that's, yeah, those are the injuries that happened there in that accident. And so um, another miracle there is, so there was another van of missionaries driving to the same apartment because there's six to an apartment in Africa and so they were driving to the same apartment and they came up on the accident they would have guessed from those stories I read 15-ish minutes or so and they would have said there was lots of people that they would have guessed 300-ish people just standing around taking pictures trying to steal the luggage and not helping at all yeah not not really I mean so one of the, the elders, his name, um, well, his, his elder Clough is his name. And he said he came up on the accident. They didn't really know what was going on. And then they saw our van. And that's when they knew. He's like, my heart just sank because I knew that you were in there. Because we, we had become really good buddies in the MTC mm -hmm. and even created our own handshake and stuff. 
<laughs> but so we, we were, yeah, we were really close buddies. And so he knew that I was in there and that it was bad and I was hurt. Right. And so they said they pulled didn't up. You, Luke, didn't you have a bunch of internal injuries as well? No, just, just the, the brain. Just the brain. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> You look um, like you've re recovered remarkably. How, how long ago was the accident? Yeah, so that, that happened in August of 2016. So I actually just had my six-year accident anniversary a, a week ago, <laughs> roughly. <laughs> I say it's pretty. It's it's pretty fresh. It's I mean that's that's only six years but you you've done amazing so um just really quickly I, I don't want to i don't want to start in the next part because i think it's fascinating what happened so what i want to do just really quickly before we take the break is the recap of these miracles because you you kind of were prepared so you were the healthiest you've ever been in your life and the most fit yeah. and you, the doctors had told you that was probably what saved your life right yeah. because you were very very fit when you got out there besides yeah. the fact that you were eating peanut butter and drinking Again, so much milk, but <laughs> it made your bones strong, I guess, right? Yeah. And then having the the um bishop there driving you and all those people, and then the the miracle of the missionaries behind you is just amazing that they were right there behind you 15 minutes and probably saved all of your lives really at that point in time. Yeah. So we're gonna start stop the story right there for just a minute, take our first break. Because it, the story just is, is crazy amazing what happens from the time that they get there to help him out. You know, remember, there's no jaws of life. There's no there's no anybody there to help except people standing around taking pictures. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So they're le it's left to the it's left to the missionaries to make a decision really quickly what to do to save these other missionaries lives. So we'll be back in just a minute. You want to hear the rest of the story. It, it's a good one. Be back in a few minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Hello, friend. My name is Ellie Meadows, and this message is for you. If you are looking for more abundance in your life, in your health, your finances, your love life, your joy, then I invite you to connect with me alongside Jack Canfield, America's number one success coach where we will work together to co-create the abundant life that you deserve. I'm accepting new partnerships through the end of this month. Please visit my website, AbundanceWithElly.com, to learn more. Wishing you a blessed and abundant day. Learn more about the products and equipment discussed by Stephanie and her guests on the show by visiting MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com. We've done the research for you and selected proven, high-quality brands at competitive prices from companies you can trust. Drugs and surgery are not your only options. Discover the exciting alternative therapies and health and wellness products that are helping people to reclaim their health and enjoy a higher quality of life. That's MyVitalityHealthSolutions.com. Isn't it interesting how we can be physically disconnected from others and yet be personally affected by the change and confusion of the world around us? We want moments of clarity and peace, and we need to feel connected to others in positive ways. A mindfulness practice can help decrease stress, increase feelings of well-being, and help us be more connected to those around us. To find out how mindfulness can do all this, go to MindfulLab.net. 
You'll find tools and resources to start your mindfulness journey today at mindfullab.net. If you're looking for the highest quality CBD products on the market, visit sunshinefamilyhemp.com. Sunshine Family Hemp is a family-owned business located in the mountains of northern Utah. Our full-spectrum oral and topical products contain no artificial ingredients and are third-party tested by a DEA-certified lab. Online ordering is easy, and we ship nationwide. Sunshine Family Hemp has been in business since 2019 and is legally certified at both the state and federal level. Visit sunshinefamilyhemp.com today. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to the Vitality Health Show with Stephanie Parrish. If you have a question for Stephanie or her guest, please email contact at myvitalityhealthsolutions.com. Now, back to the Vitality Health Show. Welcome back, friends. We're so happy to have you with us. We are having just an incredible conversation with Luke Dunn. He's been telling us about his preparation for his mission to serve in Sierra Leone and how he had kind of had the impression that something might happen or this would be the last time he'd be doing the things he'd been doing at home. So he kind of prepared. And one of the ways he prepared was to get super buffed up. He's very tall and he's very muscular. And he really, really pushed that on there. So he was much bigger than any of the other elders out there in the mission. And then he was telling us about how when they got in the car to head two and a half hours, three hours to where they were going, a driver come around a truck and hit them head on and the miracles that have happened with that. And, and Luke, I want to start with really quickly because you had told me, I think it was yesterday. I can't remember. We were talking about this, that you were told had you not been as fit as you were, you would have been dead. Yeah. So just kind of from, from doctors and, and this happened all the time in the hospital, especially when I was awake in the U.S. What yeah. you remember? Uh, yeah, exactly. And and all the time, I'd be in therapies or getting a scan um, for my foot or for my head or or something. And they would be like, "I've," or even the the therapists, because I had all of the therapists. But they they would come to me and they'd be like, "I've read your your folder. Like you should you should be dead right now." Yeah. And. Um, a lot of those um, doctors and physicians that I've, I've talked to and therapists, they, they said they think it's because of how fit and physically, um, how physically um, inapt, maybe might be a good word for that, I was, that I was able to take such a blow, I guess. And so um, with that, one of the things that they um, kind of figured, well, talking to therapists and, and doctors, they obviously there's no, no one there to do an investigation of the accident. Right. So they, they kind of figured that what happened is I was awake and, and saw the, the driver, the taxi driver coming towards us in, in that head on collision and put my, my left foot out to brace, which then was squished by the seat in front of me, which is why I broke all the bones and ruptured my Achilles there. And then, my head hit the chair, which fractured um, my eye socket and my forehead. And then my head slid over to the cross beam 
in the van and that's what collapsed the frontal plate of the skull. And, and those obviously are just speculations, but just kind of from, yeah, talking with, with doctors and, and therapists, that's kind of the best they can think kind of happened due to the right. injuries that I received. Well, okay, let's fast forward now because that, I mean, that's just amazing. And I'll tell you a little bit about what I was thinking when I came to see you in the hospital in Salt Lake. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to this el these elders, these missionaries that are there and the one elder that had was told just to pull you out. Now, those of us in the real world, <laughs> in the world that are, that are living with ambulances and police, now they're, they're waiting for the jaws of life. They're waiting for the medical people to get there. Don't touch anybody. Let them do it. You know, that wasn't an option. Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. And so they so they came on the accident. Here. Yeah. They 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 came up on the accident and saw the the van and and actually on the front of the van it said missionary travel, and that's when Elder Clough said his heart just kind of sank. Yeah. That's when he knew, and so he said he he ran up to the vehicle and the bishop um well actually all of the African elders had been helped out of the car. And so it was just me and the other Utah missionary sitting in the car. And so um, Elder Clough said he came up to the side door, tried to open it, wouldn't open. So he said he went around to the driver's side door and popped his head in and saw the other Utah missionary and asked, hey, like, are you okay? Like, what's going on? And his response was like, I'm okay but Elder Dunn won't respond to me. And him being in a lot of pain, I would imagine too, being his leg was yeah. practically in half. <laughs> and so he said he couldn't get that door open as well from his story he wrote. And so he said they then, him and the other missionaries that were in that other van, which I believe were three, three other elders, um, and a a driver and his friend just so happened to come along. Wow. Right? And so they got, they pulled me out of the driver's side window is what Elder Clough said they did and got me in the van, their van to drive the two and a half ish hours back to Freetown to the hospital there. And so um, that other friend that just so happened to drive with the driver of the second van he actually, well, that was another huge thing that helped is he stood, stayed behind to make sure that no one stole all the luggage because they had to empty their van of luggage out to get all of us in their van to start driving back to Freetown. Wow. And so they, they got us in the van and um, started the drive back to um, Freetown. And, and they, they said it was just chaotic, kind of the, the whole thing and everyone was in shock obviously and and lots was going on and, and they were calling people trying to talk to the the missionary president there in the area and and all of these things and and then they they said I started convulsing mm. and and with that they they had the the thought popped into mind well let's give them a, a blessing right with the priest the priest blessing and and so one of the other elders he anointed um, and then Elder Clough um, sealed the anointing and gave the blessing. And he said his, his hands, like I was convulsing so bad 
and I was breathing so heavy and my heart was racing. It sounded like I just had ran a marathon. And he said, once he started to put his hands to start the blessing, he said he could barely keep his hands on my head because I was convulsing so bad. And he, he started the blessing and he said, 100% under the direction of the spirit. Um, the words fell out of his mouth saying, Elder Dunn, be at peace. And he mm-hmm. said, instantly, I just oh, almost went limp. My heart rate went down. My breathing went down. I stopped convulsing. And after that happened, he said he had to peek his eyes open <laughs> from the blessing because he his thought was, well, did did he just die? Is this the piece I was talking about? Um, and so um, with that, they, they finished that blessing and, and blessed me that I would uh, be alive and be able to return to serve a mission if that was my choice. And also blessed me that my ancestors and my children who had not been born would come and minister. Okay, just for time, let's scooch to the hospital because I know that they got you on a gurney. (laughs) And then, yeah, so what happened? Well, yeah, we got to the hospital. They, when they pulled up, nobody was helping. And so they, the elders had to put me on the gurney and wheel me in. And then they started realizing that I needed help. (laughs) And so, um, but they said once I hit the gurney, I just started convulsing again. And, And so that whole ride, I was calm for that. And, wow. um, but with that, they, I was bleeding from my nose and my ear. Mm. Um, and so that's never a good sign, obviously. But yeah. I was intubated where I caught pneumonia through the intubation there. And then I waited a day, a day and a half on a gurney just on morphine. While In the hall, right? I just, just, well, I mean, there's... I've couple different scenarios um one thing i i do know is that the way the hospital in sierra leone works there is that the the rooms are actually not connected to the main part of the hospital so you have to go outside where bugs can fly on you just to get to the next room Jeez. and so wow that's sanitary <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so let's let's fast forward because we're running out of time and i want to hear the miracle of the doctor that was there that helped do the surgery on you um, which is the whole thing I mean, because they were trying to figure out what to do. And I, I want to just bring up on the other end, which is where I was there was your mom and your dad, your dad had his passport. He was able to fly to Sierra Leone. Your mother didn't. She's from Canada. They had to fly her back to Canada to get her passport to fly, fly to Sierra Leone. I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> I was in communication with your mom at that time. It was like, could not even imagine as a mother, but that'll be her story. So let's get back to your story. Let's yeah. Learn. And so there in Sierra Leone, I had to wait a day and a half or a day there just on a gurney under morphine um, for the medevac plane to go through an Ebola cleanse because they had just gotten back from another flight. And so they had to cleanse the plane and make sure it was clean. And, and so they got me on the plane eventually and started taking me to Ghana, where then I, um, once I got there, I, I went, underwent immediate brain surgery um, there in Ghana and, and the, the uh, neurosurgeon or neurologist, he, he was incredible. I mean, I was unconscious, so I never actually met the guy while in person, um, but he had actually 
made the decision to serve his people in Ghana there in Accra because he had studied, he came to the States here to study at John Hopkins and actually studied under Ben Carson um, for his practice of uh, neurology. And so he could have studied anywhere, but decided to go back to Ghana to serve his people, which I think- Another is miracle right there, right? That he was there at that hospital. Yeah. And so- Right person so, at the right time. Yeah. And so with that, I, I had the surgery and then um, I was there for a couple, well, so my, my dad came a, a day or two, a couple days after that surgery. Um, and then I was there for another week or so, just uh, making sure I was stable enough to be flown back to Salt Lake. And then the church brought in an air ambulance, continental air ambulance um, that then took me to Salt Lake. And so once arriving here in Salt Lake, um, they, I was taken to the a hospital in Salt Lake and um, was in the ICU for two weeks. And then at the end of those two weeks, that's when I recall waking up mm. um, from my, my coma. And at that point I, I knew something had happened and I knew I was in Salt Lake, but that was about it. I didn't know the extent or how long or, or kind of what happened, but I just kind of knew that I was back in Utah. And so after I woke up, I believe the next day is when I went under, underwent surgery for my foot where they put six screws in my, my foot and reattached the Achilles heel. Um, and then I was moved to the recovery level, recovery level of that hospital where then I stayed for two more weeks before I was discharged and then I had two more outpatient surgeries. Um, and then I was, yeah, I was home trying to figure out kind of what the next steps were, right? And so... Right. Before we get to that real quickly, though, I want to comment. I, I'd been in communication with your mom quite a bit, and, and I knew that the head injuries, the crushing and your leg and all this stuff. And so when, when I asked her if I could come see you, she says, yes, just don't don't get him excited you know he's he's really he's really struggled and and he's got a lot of injuries and so I went in there completely expecting your head to be crushed and your legs to be mangled and all this stuff and I don't know if you remember this but I remember walking in and going hey Luke and you're like well hi Steph and you sat up and I mean I'm like where's your injuries <laughs> I mean, other than your leg I believe was casted or something like that but I'm like you you look so I was I was so shocked I'm like this was it was another miracle it's a miracle for me because I really wasn't sure what I was going to expect when <laughs> I knew what I expected but it wasn't what I received so that was just I mean his re your recovery was amazing really yeah. it, was, it was that was another miracle too so let's fast forward we've only got a few more minutes um from what's happening after you went through recovery so you were talking about what are you going to do now yeah I think this is really important yeah well I mean so as as most people, I guess it's like, well, like I'm, I'm back. I, I think one of the, the big things that really bugged me, maybe bugs, not the right word, something that was really frustrating for me is that I felt like I had no decision in coming back. Like that was, mm. that's just what it was, which I mean, well, obviously was, was the right. Oh, yeah. You're unconscious. Yeah. When you're yeah. unconscious, you don't get to make a choice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with that, I, yeah, it was, it was just frustrating because I, 
I know lots of people in my life who have gone to serve and come home for, for whatever reasons. And, but for them, it's, it's always like kind of their decision at the end of the day. Right. But for me, I, I didn't feel like I, I had that ability, I guess, to decide, which was really frustrating for me. And, and so at I that time, imagine. um, I had to, yeah, kind of decide, cause it's like, well, I was on a medical release. And so I was still technically a missionary, but, but not. Right? Yeah. And so weird place to be. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I remember I, I had friends and people I knew who would ask me like, Oh, so you're, you're done. Right. Like, that's it. And it's like, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm thinking about maybe going back out and, and they would ask me, they'd be like, why would you go back out? Like, <laughs> this is clearly God saying, don't go. Right. And, and that was really hard for me trying to just kind of decipher, like, why, why would you say that to me? Right. And it's like, just yeah. in this time of my life. And so it was hard, but, but my, my thought was I had, I, I believe until August, a year from, um, or September, the beginning of September from the time I'd been put on medical release to reinstate or excuse me, to be, to be reinstated or else I'd have to resubmit all my papers. Mm. And so my thought process kind of turned into, well, if, if I can get reinstated before leaving, I'll do it. Like, we'll just go back out and do it and finish. And it got closer and closer and it was like, ah, I don't know if it's going to happen. And so I believe it was a, a week or two weeks before kind of that deadline where I was, um, I finally talked with the mission stake president, excuse me, and we had gotten everything submitted and, and they're like, well, like two to three weeks, like we'll show to your back. And so that day came where's the full year and I hadn't heard anything. And I was like, well, I guess I'm not going back out. Um, wow. At least that's what, what the thought process was. Right. And then, um, a couple, I think it was a, a week after that, they, they finally got back and I got my my call and, and they, from my understanding, they wanted to kind of resend me to Africa, but they just couldn't because of the lack of medical care, mm -hmm. having to observe me now with my foot and my, my head and all that. And so that was reassigned to the Washington DC South uh, mission in Northern Virginia, where then I served 22 months there. And and yeah, I had a, a great missionary mission experience. Um, but yeah, so I mean, with that is just as is a miracle just to be able to return and and with that, the the physicians were telling me they're like, yeah, you you probably won't have very good short term memory. Your long term memory should be fuzzy. Um, you shouldn't have peripheral vision, and you shouldn't have this and you shouldn't have that. And, and from my kind of I guess knowledge, I I still have all of those things that they said I shouldn't have. And so it's funny because in, in Virginia, there as a missionary, again, people would ask me, well, is, is there anything you've forgotten? And, and I would look at them and be like, well, not that I can remember. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, and I was like, well, so, How I don't know, know what you want me to tell you. <laughs> I don't think I forgot anything. And so <laughs> it's kind of fun in that way but that's a, you know, that's a funny question <laughs> yeah and so that's i guess uh, another takeaway is don't ask people with memory issues if they've forgotten anything because 
they, they won't remember. How would they know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so. Let we just have a couple more minutes. I want to. I I remember the day when your mom said you were going back out and you'd gotten your call and how awesome that was because I want our listeners to understand. You went through a life-changing, horrific situation. You really shouldn't have been alive, and you barely were. And then you chose to go back and serve God again after your, and probably weren't completely even healed, but a year past your initial healing, and being able to serve and to have an, an amazing, amazing mission, being able to meet. I, you know, there, I always think about there was a reason that you were supposed to be in Washington D.C. because there are certain people there that only you could touch. You know, and that's just, I feel that's how our whole life works. So fast forward, because you are doing amazing. And I know your beautiful wife is right there. She's hiding off the camera. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about that. We've only got just a couple minutes, but I know that that has been a dream for you that has come true. And she is just a gem. We love her and so that's grateful nice. that she's part of our family. And so why don't you just, touch a little bit about what's happening we just have a minute or so left sure yeah i mean so i i guess with with serving in, in virginia it was it was always kind of a, a decision as well like should i give come back when i was supposed to return originally which was in 2018 but i um the decision was made um, finally that i would come back in 2019 and so then i, I was home for um yeah, seven or eight months and decided like, Hey, like I, I want to start dating to, to marry someone. Right. And, and so, and then the pandemic happened. Right. And then, um, so that was frustrating, but we, we got, um, in the pandemic. And, and so really the only way to meet people was online. Cause you didn't, you couldn't talk to anybody and people at the store would shun you if you tried to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> But so we, we met online and, and started hanging out and um, yeah, it was just, it was really, it was really fun and really awesome to get to know her and be able to experience dating. And we, we dated for almost a, a full year before I proposed. And then we got married a few months um, after that. And yeah, it's just, it's been a, a huge blessing in my life and being able to, to have her and, um, it's funny because in the break she was telling me, "Don't forget to tell this and don't forget to tell that." Like, those, <laughs> those are the parts that always give me the most, like makes me feel the spirit the most. And I was like, "Well, thank you for for sharing those because uh, I, I'm just glad that you remember them." And so, right. This is so. It's been so beautiful. I just love your story, and we're hoping that you are going to be writing a book about it. And I know your mother's writing wants to write a book about it. And you and I were talking about this. I'm like, your mother's side of it is completely different from your side of it. Oh. And you know that give me chapters, but it's you know I'm just so grateful that you're here with us and that you have your beautiful wife there with you and that you're willing to share your story because it really is fascinating. It is, and uh, kudos to you for having a tragedy, but it, it didn't tear you down, it built you up. And uh, that's really a, a mark for you. Yeah, yeah, we love you, appreciate you. Did you wanna say any final closing words real quick? Um, I mean, just, I guess if if you're going, well, because as a missionary, it's it's easy to kind of do kind of what God wants you to, I guess, but like, I know anybody can, 
can tap into that understanding and of, of what God wants for them personally. And, and so I, I think it's just to be mindful of kind of what God wants you to do, because that's kind of what I feel like my, my story kind of is, is kind of trying to figure out, well, should I go on a mission? Okay. Well, I'm on a mission. Oh, now I'm home. Should I go back on a mission? Right. And then I'm on the mission. Well, should I stay on the mission? And so it's a lot of kind of just trying to understand what I need to be doing personally. And so even amidst trials and, and, and terrible things happening that you can always kind of find peace and find miracles. And if you're that's perfect way to end it. Thank you, Luke. Cause that's what we're all about is hope, healing and miracles. And you had them all in that story. It was amazing. So thank you. Thank you so thank much. You. We really appreciate you. And Emmy, I know you're in the background. We love you too. And thank you, John, for hosting with me. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. So we want all of you to remember to always look for the miracles. There's always miracles. Always have hope in your healing. Doesn't matter what that healing is. Always have hope in that healing. And please share this with all of your friends. There's somebody out there that needs to hear Luke's story. We love you all so much. We appreciate you and have a happy, healthy day. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Vitality Health Show. Be sure to tune in next Thursday for another informative show with Stephanie Parrish and leading health and wellness experts. That's Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a wonderful, healthy week. Statements made and information provided on this program are for educational purposes only. They have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and products discussed on this program are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The Vitality Health Show is not responsible for any misunderstandings or misapplication of information presented in this show. 